Welcome back, everybody. It's it's my distinct pleasure and and really uh, kind of an honor uh, and a little bit surreal to uh, to welcome somebody who's literally started my acting career. Uh, the owner, uh, the coach, uh, teacher, manager uh, of uh, Actors Training Center in Wilmette, Illinois. Welcome to the program, Carol Diebel. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, thank you so much. Listen, I. You know, my whole career started at ATC uh, because when I came to you the second time around, I'll, I'll mention the first time in a second, but when I came to you the second time around, I, I, I had, you know, no resume, no headshot, no monologue. Uh, I didn't know anything about the industry. Uh, I, I had no agent and I, I didn't really know if I had any talent. And uh, one of my first questions that I asked uh, one of the teachers in the, uh, you know, actors, uh, uh, I think the actor's toolbox or something like that. It was, it was a class. Uh, one of my first questions was, do you see any talent there? So aside from that last one, which, uh, which still is debatable, you've given me everything else. And I really- Oh, Alan, thank you. I don't know if I've given you everything, but I hope I gave you a good solid base for jumping off. You certainly did. Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, I was, by the time I kind of, uh, you know, took all the classes, uh, I was ready. I was ready because I had my resume, I had my headshot, I had my monologue, I had an understanding of what the business is like. And uh, to this day, I still have people calling me uh, saying, hey, you know, uh, my, uh, you know, my son or my daughter wants to act. And uh, this, you know, this uh, agent or somebody is, is trying to charge me this money. Is that the right thing? I'm like, no, no, you no. really shouldn't be playing that. So I never had to go through all of that because you know, you outlined everything. I still have the, the booklet that, uh, that you gave to all of us that has it. And my first submissions to agents were right from there. So Yeah, uh, that's golden, that booklet. Don't share that, man. That's golden. No, 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 no not sharing it with anybody, but making sure that people don't, uh, you know, lose thousands of dollars uh, talking to charlatans. So uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's... That's it's, why our hashtag is trained to work, because we want to yeah. be sure that you can go right you know, just get on the road and get on the journey, not just train and yeah. train, which is critical, but how do you take the skills that you learn and then translate them into actual work? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the first time that I came to you, I, I, <clears throat> I said that, so I need to finish that sentence then. You know, it was 2012. I came and I, I took a class uh, with, uh, with Doug McDade, who's wonderful, who was yeah. on the show last week. Uh, I never finished it because you know, it, it kind of, as I was going through my midlife crisis and I was, you know, I spent uh, 20 years pretending to be an IT programmer and uh, I really didn't want to pretend to be anyone else anymore. So once we started doing script breakdowns, it felt to me again, like I was, I needed to be somebody else. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to be myself right now. So I wasn't ready for it. I didn't yeah. quite understand at that time that acting is really about finding yourself. It's not about trying to be anybody else. Acting is not about acting, acting is about being. Right, yeah. And uh, I, it took me a while. And then five years later, I returned along with my daughter, who I promised. Uh, right. when, when I left ATC, I said, you know what? I'm coming back. And uh, next time I'm bringing my daughter here because this is a great place. And I did five years later. So that's how the whole thing really started. That is true. That is all true. Yeah, Annette loved uh, ATC. She still does, and you know, once once things open up again, we'll we'll be right back there. Good, good. She's lovely. Thank you so much. Um, so again, that's you know, my acting kind of journey started there, and you've uh, you've been open uh, since two thousand seven. So you've seen many journeys begin. What what's been the most rewarding part of that? You know, um, I get asked that all the time because we've yeah. been in business for so long. Um, and people often think it's going to be the people that we see on TV, Lucas Newman, right. Ricky Fresnahan, um, countless amount of actors that are working on, on and off Broadway. But really for me, the biggest success stories are the ones who um, think they want to be actors um, and then train with us. And train to work doesn't necessarily mean that you're training to act. It could mean that you find there's so many different doors in our industry. And mm -hmm. I have a student who started with me when she was, I mean, she must have been 13 or 14. Um, one of the funniest things I remember about her is when we, I was teaching slaving, I used to make them say a funny story about themselves. 
and hers was um, that she had once given a squirrel mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. <laughs> she's like a huge animal lover. If she sees this, she'll know I'm talking about her. Um, she finished high school, went to college, went to LA, and before she went out to LA, yeah, we met for coffee, and she said, you know, I don't want to be an actor. I, I want to be a casting director. Hmm. So it's fun for me now as a manager. I'll see her name on breakdown as a casting associate, and I'll call this kid who's now a grown woman and say, hey, I've got a student for this, or I have a client for this. To me, that's a huge success, because there are so many creative doors hmm. um, in, in our industry. So that, to me, that's one of my favorite success stories. There's a lot, but that one is close to my heart. That's beautiful. And uh, I mean, you have your own uh, acting uh, journey because you were an actress for uh, for a little bit of time. Uh, a while, and, a long while. Yeah, yeah. How, how did your journey start? You know, I was one of those people um, who there was never any choice. I didn't have, I never actually, once I thought I might want to be an interior decorator, and mm -hmm. I took one class and I was like, yeah, it's too technical for me. You know, so all through elementary and junior high and high school, I was that kid in the theater program. Um, and then I went to college for two years in the theater program and did a bunch of shows. Um, and I started doing, I was in the Baltimore, Washington market, which does a lot of um, training films because it, of the military and the government. And I made a decent living doing, I once played a, um, a Navy wife whose new husband is shipped. It was like a three week gig, like a soap opera. And uh, while he's gone, she finds out she's pregnant and she's crying and she wants to leave her husband and she's lonely. I did a lot of those things. I also you know, learned early on that to support yourself, um, I was a hand and shoe model for print work, which was super easy. Um, I did uh, runway modeling. I was a petite runway model, oh. which I hated and was terrible at. I was always the one they were going, Carol, Carol, and I was like still putting my shoes on and they were throwing me out on the runway. Uh, I did a slew of bridal one runway shows where I was the only petite bride. So I would wait through the whole fashion show and then they would go, now for a petite bride, and they would give me the tallest male model who would pick me up. And, I mean, I did it all. I did it all. Uh, and then at some point, I had two kids and I was doing a show in the city in Chicago at Shattered Globe that got extended. And it was incredibly challenging for my family. You know, I would like drop the kids at my neighbor's house because my husband hadn't gotten home yet and I'd call. And then the show was extended. And at that point, I just said, yeah, I, this is not working. I had done commercial work, which was easy, but even getting downtown for auditions uh, at that point with two kids in school, my husband traveled a lot. So I just said, oh, okay, that's it. And then at one point I decided I wanted to take acting classes again. And what I realized was that, oh, and then I had a, a, a national commercial running and people kept saying to me, oh, how do I get into the business? And I realized nobody was actually training specifically youth and adults on how to train, not just to skill, a skill set of acting, but even how to, like you're saying, to navigate the business. What's a headshot? What's a resume? What's an agent? What's a manager? What do you do to piss an agent off? What do you do not do in a casting room? Nobody was really training to what the industry was looking for. Um, and I said, oh, okay, I'll do a seminar. And then that's how they act. And then after the seminar, people asked for classes and we started in one little room above the Wilmette Theater. And yeah. 14, years, 14 years later, 15 teachers on staff and, you know, COVID's been an interesting pivot, but yeah. yeah, so that's my journey. And again, it's like what I said about the student. I love this part of the business. To me, I love training, love yeah. it. Um, me too. I, I've, uh, you know, I've been uh, told many a times by the agents, listen, we really appreciate all of the training that you're doing, but your resume has to be one page. So you're going to have to cut some of those parts out. <laughs> yeah, you can't have a two-page resume, Alan. No. I, I know. I mean, I... That is the thing, you know, people will take the classes and then their resume is in a uh, 
business format, not an arts format with three columns. I mean, or they have a headshot that their mom's sister's best friend who lives across the alley, they have a good camera. Yep. Like, you can't do that. No. Yeah. Uh, and I still don't understand why the resumes have to be on an eight by 10. I, I don't get it. They're just uh, the headshot eight by 10 with the resume. Why is the industry doing this to us? Why not switch to an eight and a half by 11? I don't know because it, why don't they do, I don't know because it has to staple and be exactly fit to the headshot. I mean, in my day as an actor, which is not such a problem anymore, yeah. we really use hard copies. So you would have a couple hundred copies of your headshot and resume. Yep. And uh, I used to just go to a Kinko's or what was ever around then and say, here, cut these to eight by 10. And I yep. would just have it done yep. and staple them on. No, you don't get to do that. And they're looking for any reason to not use you. And if you piss them off and your resume is eight and a half by 11 and your uh, headshot eight by 10, they're like, yeah, they don't follow rules. And you go in the trash because it's yeah. such a competitive business. Yeah, it's some some things. Well, yeah, a lot of things about our business are weird. But um, going back to something that you said, and uh, I don't think I told you this story that you know one of the classes that I took, one of the workshops, uh, you know, there were a bunch of a uh, bunch of high school kids uh, in it at ATC, and I got to hear you know uh, them talking. And uh, one of the students, her name is Tessa. Uh, she was uh, in Vernon Hills High School, and my years yeah. first. Still a student. Right. Uh, my ears perked up and I thought, well, you know, my daughter is going to be going to, uh, to Vernon Hill. So I kind of wanted to, uh, to ask her how that experience is like. And she was sharing that. Well, you know, fast forward a few years, Tessa and my daughter are in the same theater. Uh, ah! They're best friends and they're, you know, her and uh, a number of other kids are hanging around. So that thing, that connection that I made with, uh, with Tessa, Yessa, which I love, I, the, her comeback is just the best. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, now just kind of permeating through uh, through the rest of my life. And I, I remember coming home and telling my daughter, hey, I met this uh, really nice, uh, you know, a girl who's uh, in in Vernon Hills High School. She was telling me about the theater program. You know, a few years later, they're uh, they're in there together. It's, it's Well, beautiful. that's the thing, you know, a lot of schools won't put adults and teens together. Right. Um, but we always felt that as adults, a lot of what you'll be auditioning for is as a dad or a teacher or as a mom. And I never understood that, why you wouldn't take maybe ninth through high school kids and put them with adults because the plethora of material to work on is amazing. Um, and I've always found that it's such a gorgeous, uh, such a gorgeous energy when you have adults with the kids. Um, but I'm, I'm specific about which kids I'll let go in with the adults. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna do that to an adult, but if it's like this child, Tessa, I mean, she just has always been like 42. She always yeah. was a very mature young woman. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I'm very happy that, uh, that you do that because me, you know, as somebody who was taking those classes, I really enjoyed it and uh, seeing how incredibly talented they are and how in touch with their emotional base they are, it made me a much better actor just watching them. Well, look, the older you get, the more, uh, the less we reveal about ourselves because we've had more experience, we've been hurt more, we sort of like, oh, I remember I that touched that and that was a landmine. So teaching adults mm -hmm. is, much more challenging often adults that are just starting out in the business than teaching youth. Um, they don't have the experience and the knocks and bruises that the adults have. Yeah. Uh, and I, I distinctly remember the, again, you know, about the teaching the kids, just how important because some people uh, or some parents would say, why, why are you sending your daughter to acting classes? She's not going to be a professional. First of all, we don't know that. Second of all, uh, I always knew that as, as a teen growing up, you know, there are a lot of changes, there are a lot of emotions, there are a lot of things going on. And I, you know, give you one specific example. Uh, Annette was going to class and in the class they were talking about emotions and they were uh, helping them, how do you deal with anger when you get angry? And she said that, you know, they had me kind of just push onto a wall and uh, release off the uh, negativity. 
to me, that's gold. I don't care if she ever becomes a professional actress. These are life skills that she was learning, and I can't be uh, you know, grateful enough for that. You know, the thing about training youth is that um, all my staff and I, it's a huge responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. And you have to be very careful with them, and you have to create a very safe environment. And I think that the thing that we work so hard to impress upon the kids is that you are enough. You, who you are is enough. And when casting comes looking for you and your type, if you're trying to be like her or you're trying to be like him, you're not available. And that lesson as you go through life, learning that I'm enough and some people will like me and some people won't. And I might fit in here, but I may not fit in there, but I'm enough. Um, is empowering. And nobody taught me that. I was a kid I, and a teenager. I always wanted to be somebody else. And I would say even as a young actress, um, especially when I moved to Chicago, being uh, a Jewish woman from the East Coast, and then people in the Midwest, the women were tall and blonde, and their legs like were as long as I was tall. And I never quite felt enough. But I will tell you, when they wanted a more comedic, uh, my breakdowns were always uh, a woman, middle-aged woman, attractive, but not too attractive. And I always tell the kids that, and I say, you know, I, I was always like, hey, but guess what? I don't look like those women. I don't, and I'm never going to look like them. And I am attractive, but not as attractive like they are. And then once you own who you are and your type, I mean, what a release that is. So it's a huge responsibility for us. And we take it really seriously. And what happens in that classroom very often, um, just recently, we well, last, I don't remember when I was teaching and I, I do not teach a lot of emotional recall. I think for students, young students, that's very dangerous. But I will have them try to find uh, an event that triggered a similar emotion for what that actor was having, that character is having. And for some reason, it was about being bullied, which happens all the time. And one kid, I said, you know, have you ever been bullied or bullied somebody? And I don't want to know about it, but just try to find it. This kid just started crying. And then the whole one by one, all the kids started crying, which happens quite a bit. And at that point, we sit on the floor and I say, what happens here stays here. Let's just talk. And it is to me, when that door opens to that studio and the light comes in, everybody's just changed. And like you're saying, they're changed as an ensemble and they all keep in touch on some level and it's gorgeous. I mean, I have the, I'm the luckiest person ever and to be able to do what I do. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so happy that my daughter is a part of the theater community because high school is hard enough with everything else that's going on aside from- Who would want to do that again, not me? Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I enjoyed the aspects of it and I don't want to redo it. Um, yeah. But being in uh, part of the theater community and the kids and how accepting and how eccentric and how just uh, kind of loving they are to each other, that, that yeah. creates that safe bubble where the kids can actually be themselves, grow up, and move through that space uh, much better. And I'm really, really come, so many kids come out. We've had adults, an adult in their 60s transition, which yep. was just I, gorgeous. I know her, and uh, she's yes. she's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing, and and then she started years before she transitioned, and. Uh, She's, an, she's amazing and a real, uh, she's a hero. To me, she's just a hero. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 10 seconds more on, on her. Just such an incredible person of, you know, what they were able to achieve prior to any transition, prior to any acting. The person was an incredible, you know, success in one career, decided to go to another career, became an incredible success in another career, and continued kind of searching you know, person has lived multiple lives and have been great at all of them. I'm in awe of this person. All of them. Yeah. Um, she came in last year. She's a um, concert violinist. 
Yep. She had brought in her Stradivarius and, and just to show it to us. And yeah. she stood in the lobby. I had goosebumps and played for us in the Actors, Actors Training Center lobby. And the three of us were like, where do we work? You know, this beautiful woman who transitioned playing violin in her lobby. Who gets to do, like, who has these experiences? Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. So like the whole community that you're creating, I really appreciate that. But um, you mentioned, you know, emotional recall and some of the acting uh, kind of techniques. Um, mm -hmm. You as a, as a teacher, you know, as a coach and mm -hmm. the studio in general, what is the, if we were to kind of, you know, put a framework around it, what's the acting, uh, you know, methodology uh, that uh, you implement? I don't think we have one. And I don't want my teachers to use one. I know some studios just use one. Yeah. For me, it really depends on who I'm working with, right. what they respond to. You know, I, I tend to respond personally as a teacher to Stella Adler and Michael Shirtless. Okay. For me, those two techniques work for me as a teacher, they worked for me as an actor. I think when I discovered Michael Shirtliff is when a lot of light bulbs went on for me. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it's a lot like um, building scaffolding, you know, and helping actors find, here's the map and how many ways can I find to get to what I want. Mm -hmm. um, but I, some people, you know, uh, one of my teachers is a big Meisner believer. So if you go through the training center, you're going to have different teachers. But I don't believe in subscribing to one. It depends on the material you're working with. It depends whether it's a monologue or um, if it's we're working on giving given circumstances or is it on camera. Do you know it's there? We don't subscribe to one, but I do subscribe to amazingly talented and experienced teachers that I trust in the room um you know both sarah's uh you know sarah savini and sarah sharper are, are incredible sarah savini has been on my show before she, oh has she yeah yeah she was one of oh, the yeah. one of the uh you know one of the earliest people that uh they came on because you know i love her i'm still in touch with her uh so she was on you know wonderful interview i thought i knew her and i learned a lot uh just by her talking so yeah she has an interesting very, like, God bless. I have a, a very interesting life, very interesting yeah. journey. And she's an incredibly generous actress. I've seen her on stage many times, and she's a general, uh, a very generous teacher, um, colleague. She just is. I mean, she's just lovely. But honestly, most of my teachers are like that. That's the great thing about being me. I can decide who I want to work for me. That's true. And uh, I, I agree. You know, uh, both, uh, both Sarah's uh, coached me. Uh, I, the, your improv uh, teacher whose name for whatever reason escapes me right now. I had him at Second City. He was one of my... Uh, Tim Sasko. Huh? Tim Sasko. Tim Sasko. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Tim is great. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, my class with him. So yeah, every teacher that I've had has been uh, really, really great. Yeah. I think I've had one or two over the years, maybe three over 14 years. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I know you're supposed to be slow to hire and quick to fire. I'm the other way. I'm, I just, I don't like, I don't like letting, saying this doesn't work because I always believe in humans as humans, but I think I've had a couple of the years that just didn't fit for our mission. I mean, it's a lot of power to teach acting. And you cannot use that power. You know, it can be heady, you know, it, and it's, I'm sorry, it's bullshit if you get a teacher that is getting off on torturing you. And I just won't hire people like that. I, I agree. And by the way, I do not subscribe uh, in, in terms of, you know, real human stuff. I do not subscribe to, uh, you know, uh, quick to hire. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you have to find the right fit. You have to know what the people are because you're teaching children you're teaching uh, adults who are trying to figure out what they want to do with their life it has to be a real thoughtful process before you bring somebody else and they're very vulnerable you know even the thought of coming look when i first went back to an acting class after moving here and having two children 
I, I, and I was a professional actress, my knees were shaking when I walked in. Yeah. It's like taking a, a different class at the gym, right? It's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this hip class and I'll probably be, you know, sweating on the floor or you go to a different gym. It's, it, everybody should be celebrated for just making it in the room the first time. Mm -hmm. Big deal, really big deal. Let's talk about uh, kind of the, the actor's toolbox. If we were to say that uh, from an ATC perspective, because you have a, a lot of courses and different uh, materials that you cover, but when people walk away from there, what are the main staples in their toolbox that you want them to have? Uh, they need to have a professional headshot. Mm. They have to have a industry-ready resume. They have to know how to reach out to people in the industry, whether it's casting or whether it's agents or managers without being annoying. Yeah. Um, I think those are the three things and understand who hires who in the business, yeah. right? Who is who? I call it the, the um, hierarchy of fear. And I, the thing that people don't realize is that everybody wants into this industry. So whether you're the, uh, you know, whether you're the writer of a film or the producer of a commercial, you know, you're, you want to sell your story if you're selling yourself. If you are the director, you're auditioning as well you know, to the production company, because you want to direct this film. You're the casting office. You're auditioning and pitching to be the one who casts that film. It, it's not like a regular career where you get hired and you're there for five, 10, 50 years and you get your watch. You're out of work every time that gig is over. So everybody is auditioning for everybody else. And um, I think once we get that point across, to, to actors especially, it takes the pressure off a lot. So when we start talking about, because once we, we always talk about going into the audition room with what you gain, if you go into the audition room thinking, I got this, I'm gonna solve your problem. Casting has a problem, they need to bring the right people to the director. The director has a problem, they've gotta bring it to the producer. I, I'm gonna be easy to work with, you're gonna like me, I'm trained, I got this. Yep. And so many actors just walk in, I get it. And you don't wanna to be too far off the mark. And you don't wanna to be too big. And you don't wanna to make too many specific choices because neutral is safe, but that's exactly what casting isn't looking for. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, those, uh, those you know, toolbox uh, items because it blew my mind. And you know, again, uh, um, it's, it's surreal that I get a chance to talk to, uh, to so many people that I've been watching uh, you know, for many years. But talking to them, going through incredible programs that we all recognize and we know the names, and they were never taught auditioning. They were never taught anything Who about asked? the industry in terms of uh, agents, uh, marks. You know, when they get on set, they don't know what speeding means. They haven't been taught any of it. It was just theater, 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 and don't worry about anything else because if you're good enough, they're going to take you. Really? We're, you're spending six figures uh, in these programs. You're spending years there and they don't teach you anything about auditioning or what the business is like. Isn't the point to be a professional actor and not just somebody who took classes? It blew my mind. And because I never did that, uh, I wanted to obviously, but I never did that or had the opportunity. And I went straight to ATC and to you know, wonderful schools around Chicago, to me, it was a no-brainer. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm learning all of these things. How do you not know that? It's just frustrating to hear. Mind-boggling. It's yeah. mind-boggling. Look, it's not just about the craft of acting. I always say in my breaking into the business lectures, it's working the right and the left side of your brain. Yeah. You can have the greatest right side, the creative side, and you can do text analysis and breakdowns and emotional recall and then what if you're not a business person on the left on the left side and you don't know how to run a business being an actor is running a business then you're going to be the greatest actor of all time in your mirror and never get any further you really what i learned in my a million years that i've been doing this is that you really have to have 
to work both sides of the brain. And if you don't know how to run a business, and so many of these schools, they pop out amazing actors and then they're calling me. I just finished. How do I do this? How do I get an agent? I'm thinking, oh my God, how did your parents just pay for this? And you don't know how to get an agent. You don't know how to write a cover letter. You don't know, like, okay, so you did this showcase. And, you know, sometimes the New York showcases, the kids do get picked up from them. But look, it's supply and demand. It's basic economics, Alan. There's way more actors than there is work. Basic, it's economics 101, and I never took economics. So you better find a way that you're the one out of the huge sea of fish that are swimming around that is asked to move forward. And you're just going to be one of the fish that's a great actor, like, or, you know, and not get anywhere. And that to me is, uh, I, I think it's like malpractice personally. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. Now I am 100% certain that, you know, I, I wasn't going to be recommending that uh, my daughter, if she decides to pursue it, I was not going to be recommending for her to do a BFA or an MFA. Uh, I was not going to, because I think that there are better ways for her to do what she wants to do. And she can still... go to a college that has a great theater program, right. right? Like a good actor is a smart actor. Right. Have a lot of interest and do a lot of things. Some of my students that have come through, they just can't. Like this is all they can do. And they end up at Carnegie Mellon or NYU. But I would say 99% of the time, I encourage students to go to a good university with a good theater program and then see where you want to go afterwards. But get smart, be smart. Uh, I absolutely agree. Again, especially talking to all of the people who I know are working actors and hearing their stories of, you know, I had this friend, they were incredibly talented and they're out of the business. And you hear that over and over again. And it's not just because they weren't good enough as an actor, they were, it's everything else that comes into play plus luck and, uh, you know, relationships, which is a huge part of our business. Yes. Um, in, in terms of uh, auditioning and uh, kind of, uh, you know, talking the casting director out, I've had a number of casting directors on and uh, we had these discussions and in my you know, limited uh, acting experience, what I find is that casting directors have some things in common, but for most part, everybody is completely different. They're looking for different things. I even, as a social experiment, when I interview casting directors, I ask them, you know, what is your uh, preferred uh, background uh, for doing self-tapes? And almost never do you hear the same uh, answer. Everybody, really? yeah, it's, I only want blue, I hate blue, just give me white, I don't care, it better not be gray. You know, it's complete differences. And I, I, I take these workshops all the time with different casting directors just to understand kind of the mindset. And one casting director may be looking at a tape of somebody and I'm looking at the same tape at the same time. And I'm thinking, okay, this is good. Okay, I see you made your choice there. I see you pre-planned that. And the casting director looks at it and says, oh my God, that was so natural, it was so brilliant. I'm like, what are you talking about? And others are uh, seeing the same thing I'm seeing. It's everybody is just human. And all of them are trying to find something that what they agree on is they want you to stand out to them for whatever reason. And that's what I found. And again, you know, some of the people who you brought on as well, because I've taken those workshops. Is there anything that you have found that is cohesive, common, uh, applicable across the board advice in terms of auditioning when it comes to casting directors? You mean in the room or virtually? Uh, let's separate them into two, uh, two things. It's so a whole the, different ballgame. Yeah, yeah. I think in the room, just yeah. be a nice person. Be pleasant. Be warm. They want to know that if you get further down, that you'd be nice to be on set. You'll be somebody pleasant to be around. You won't be a diva. Um, just be pleasant. Yeah. Be an, I mean, that's a good rule in life, right? Be a nice person. Um, don't, they're working hard. If they're running 20 minutes late, don't give them, like just everybody is working hard. So I think that in the room, um, that is the best thing you could do. In the waiting room, right? Like they'll have, I mean, I, I had interned in my earlier days and did sessions for PR casting a yep. bit. You know, I ran sessions for them. 
um, in the early days, I sat in on castings with Steppenwolf when they were doing castings with youth. They would bring me in because so many of the kids were my students. And um, you, you just can't come in, don't come in with an attitude. Like, just don't. Who wants to work with that? So I think that is uh, the most important thing. Whether or not everybody has a different set of eyes. One casting director is going to say, oh, their scenes are showing, they're acting. Another one is going to say, you know, less is more. But the fact is they know what their director is looking for. Okay. So every session is going to be different. You know, I know I have a young girl right now, a client who's 15, lost her leg to cancer and is a phenomenal gymnast still. And she's on the short list for a movie because they were looking for a big movie for a, a handicapped uh, girl who can use a wheelchair, although she doesn't need it anymore. But, um, and I, we had to have the director's session at my studio because of COVID. And I asked her how it was and she said, God, it was just like, we were just working together and jiving. And when she went in, I said, just be open to what they're saying. That was the director, but the casting director had said to me before, this director doesn't want her to come in with any preconceived. She just wants her to be open. So it just depends on what, and that casting director knew that about that director. Every director is different and every experience with a casting director is different. So the only thing across the board is be nice and be patient, you know? And prepared. So, yeah, and what? And prepared. And, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Just be prepared. Just, I've heard horror stories, I'm sure you have, where for commercials, yeah. They don't even know what the product is. I mean, you got to be kidding me. You have an audition and you don't take, forget it. You know, you shouldn't be in the business. Agreed. I mean, even for our interview today, I thought about it. You know, I prepared, I took the stuff off my walls. You know, I, if you're not going to take it seriously, get out of our way. Sure. Yeah, it's, there, there are too many people who are actually working hard at this. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're not one of them, you're not in this for the right reasons. Right. Let's, let's circle back then. And if you are uh, doing an audition that's you know, self-tape, uh, obviously I don't use this background. I have a background that goes on top of this one, which is gray. People yeah. don't like it, get over it. I don't think we can say whether or not, I prefer when I'm shooting the blue I think it just pops the actor. My flip, the one I use when I'm taping people, flips over. If you're taping at home, which everybody has to now, right? Spend the money. It's about a $200 setup. Get the background. Yeah. Uh, if you're using your iPhone or an iPad, you can get the ring light that clips in, get a lav. Just make it easy. Mm. Again, get out of the way if you can't put in the time. It's not a, it, it's an expensive business to get into. You have to, you have to build your shop, right? Get a decent reader. I'm teaching a class right now with Deb Dion, who's a casting director in LA. She's great. Yeah, she's amazing. So we're teaching two nights a week together for the next four weeks. I don't know what we were thinking. Um, but we had a couple of kids that were really novices and they have to do a mock audition, tape it at home and then send it to us before the class. Yeah. And a couple of the kids, didn't even have a reader. They just said their lines and then paused and said their lines and paused. And I was like, what did you do? What? You know, but it's a great learning experience. And just remember, you know, just move slightly away from the lens. You know, it's just all these things, but learn how to make a good self-tape. There's not much you can do because casting's not there. Just do your best. Look at what a good self-tape looks like online and mimic it. And it really doesn't take a lot. Okay, so we're going to do behind the scenes just to illustrate this point. I'm going to move my camera. So you have to have, here's a box light. Here's right. a box light. There's my camera on a tripod. And here's, instead of this uh, backdrop, yeah. uh, you see that thing in the green? That's where yeah. I'm going uh, over it in the other backdrop. Uh, and it's, that's really it. That's all you need. I am lucky that my daughter is my reader because I have my actress who is readily available okay. to assist that's at home, you know, with me all the time, especially now during COVID. Uh, yeah. But that's, 
that's really it. You don't need much more than this. You don't even need that big camera. You can use your uh, tablet, but get clip-on ring light. Like I'm very lucky in my office, they have two windows that face me. Um, so I can be pretty well lit, but um, when it gets dark soon, I'm gonna need a ring light for teaching mm. online. I'm yeah. just gonna need it because Otherwise, I'm in shadow, and without the light, you can see all my wrinkles. So there you go. Well, with uh, the you know uh, one one uh, you know tip for everybody: if you have uh, glasses, uh, ring light is not going to be your friend because no, you're it won't. Seeing this all the time. Yeah. Um, so, but other otherwise, ring lights are great. I have a few of them that I use when I'm not wearing glasses. Well, we teach the kids when we're teaching how to make a self tape. Yeah. Like even in our classes, and I know I make Deborah crazy because she's so much more forgiving than I am. I'm so mean when it comes to these details. And we spent 20 minutes making kids move around their house, facing a window, putting their computer, because otherwise I'm teaching kids it looks like they're in the witness protection program. I can only just see a shadow. And Deborah's just like, I cannot believe you're spending 20 minutes on this. I said, well, guess what? If they sent you a tape, yeah. You wouldn't be able to see them. What's the matter with you? She's just much kinder than I am teaching. Uh, I, I do remember that that dynamic because I took uh, you know a workshop when Deb uh, came here a few years ago, and uh, you know there's Deb, there's you coming in. So it was really funny to watch the two. It's of you. an interesting dynamic. We've been friends for very close friends for thirteen years since I flew her in to teach the first class. Yeah. 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 Great. All right, um, there's a fun story that, uh, that you told us uh, that I want you to share, if you don't mind, uh -oh. uh, about, and that goes into the reality of our business. Uh, at the time when you were still acting, uh, mm -hmm. you, uh, you did um, a commercial with, uh, with Doug McDade, uh, who's, uh, who's wonderful. Uh, they flew you both to New York. I don't want to ruin the story. Please pick it up from there. So it was a national search um, for a bank. Um, National, like it was not just Chicago. And how many times do you audition for national commercials in Chicago? And you're like, oh, I'm not gonna get this. Yeah. They're gonna, it's shooting in New York. Um, and the callback, ironically, was a video conference callback, which at the time was yeah. unheard of. And uh, I had never met, I had never met Doug. I didn't know who he was. And uh, we booked and wait what so yes we had cars i had a car pick me up flew us to new york we stayed at this well this is funny i met doug and then they put us at this hotel called the hudson hotel i've stayed there many times since then but when i walked in the room i thought it was a joke because it barely fit a bed yep. and i had met doug downstairs i didn't even know the guy i called him i said i'm I, how big is your room and he said i mean the bed takes up the whole room yeah and we met for drinks that night just to get to know each other and then we were both picked up in the morning and we were taken to set and he was playing a banker and i was playing a customer and uh it was a great spot but i remember walking on and all of the extras were new yorkers and they were not pleased with me and Doug because we were the, the chances of two Chicagoans getting it were slim to none, and they weren't very kind to us. And the scene was this banker sitting behind his desk, and um, but you don't know it's a banker. And I'm the customer, and the tight shot's on me, and I think my line was, I'm, you know, you can, it's not you, it's me, I just need to move on. And then they would pull back, and I reached under the desk, and I picked up a toaster and went, you can have your toaster back. And you pulled back and I took out my purse and it's bank and she's leaving her bank. So there were a couple interesting stories about this. Doug literally had to be on the verge of tears while I'm giving him these lines. So I said to the director, can we just improv for a bit after you start rolling so I can help him? And the director was like, yeah, okay. Um, and you know, we'd spent some time together and I knew we had kids. Uh, I knew he had a two-year-old daughter and that he was having some marital problems. And as they started rolling, I just leaned in and I knew his kids' names. Oh, that was terrible to him. I said, don't worry. I'll make sure that you can see. And I mentioned his kids and 
you'll take them trick or treating. I mean, it's just not going to work between us. And he, as an actor, he let that sink in. And when I saw he was there, I took two beats and I said my line, which was, it's not you, it's, it's me. And his face, he was like ready to cry. God, that was great, great. Then we did my coverage. It was the longest day ever, like long. And as we were leaving set that night, we were, it was all in one day. And they'd given me a wool sweater and I'm allergic to wool. And then my shoes were clicking and they made me put on different shoes. And um, at one point somebody was running out and they said, do you want a smoothie? And like an idiot, I learned, I slurped this smoothie down and they were ready. And I got so nauseous from the sugar. I said to Doug, I'm going to fall off on my wardrobe right now. But we got through it. It was great. We're leaving and the um, clients and the producers came over to us and said, you guys are going to make a fortune on this. This is the funniest. I cannot believe how you guys hit the humor. Doug and I were like, yeah. I mean, I had kids that were older. College. Yeah, yeah. We go back to Chicago. Doesn't air. One month, three months six months. I'm like, when is this thing going to air? Nine months, but we're getting paid a holding fee. So we can't even audition for any other bank commercials. And then I see a commercial for a different bank and it is the exact same concept except a drive-through. And I, I don't know whether I called Doug or Doug called me and I was like, we're screwed. They held this commercial so long. And we were released after like 10 months. It never aired. It never aired. I am not over it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry for bringing it up, but I think it's just- it's, <laughs> it's okay. I'm not over it. I managed to put three kids through college though, but yeah. not over it. It illustrates what, what this business is like. I mean, you, you, can, you think you have this hit on your hands and you still never know Anything. Nope. You yeah. never know. When Rachel Brosnahan got the audition for um, Mrs. Maisel, I read that script and I was like, you're never going to get this. You're not funny. A little, <laughs> little bit of hell. I remember saying that to her when I interviewed at a fundraiser. Like, yeah. That's funny. How I, and uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. She's a great actress. She is. Yeah. Um, I actually, okay, now, now that you mentioned that, I actually remember watching interviews with her and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll come to, uh, to the whole you know, tie into Rachel and uh, ATC and you. Mm -hmm. But I remember her saying that, listen, throughout my, my career, people were telling me all the time, I am not funny. And uh, I don't get these roles because people perceive me as not funny. And guess what? You know, I'm on, on Mrs. Maisel. So you were one of those people who were telling her that she's not funny. Now I know that. Very, okay. She's a very thoughtful woman, right? She's a very hard worker, very thoughtful. And I would have to say to her, I would say something like, Rachel, I'm kidding. Like she doesn't, she has uh, very serious, even as a teenager, very serious, um, but lovely and warm and funny in her own way. But I was one of those people. I, I own it. Okay, now now we know that. Uh, thank you for for admitting it and uh, and sharing it freely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's let's uh, kind of back into it. Uh, you know, Rachel uh, Brosnahan, who is amazing, and I want to ask a few questions about her in a minute. Sure. But, you know, she was uh, one of your students, and then you ended up uh, managing her. So there's that connection. She lives. Uh, let's not say lives. She lived uh, uh, not not far from the school. So uh, she's a local Chicagoan. Yes, she is. Yeah, she is. She um, actually was my student when I had the studio downtown. Oh, okay. And um, it was time for college, and she had asked another teacher to coach her for college, and they said no. I was her second choice. And uh, that's okay. Um, and then uh, she got into NYU, and um, she had an audition or two, and they kept asking her about this, this casting director wanted her to meet this agent and she kept calling me and I think, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know this stuff. And I kept calling Deb in LA and Deb said, just manage her. So 
I didn't know what I was doing. And Rachel will say in interviews that she was pretending to be an actress and I was pretending to be a manager. And that's exactly what we were doing. Uh, it was a lovely time for both of us. We didn't know what we were doing. We faked it a lot. We, you know, we learned what we were doing and um, I worked tirelessly and she worked tirelessly and we got her to where she needed to be. And then when Maisel sort of took off, we talked about separating because my joy is the journey. And, you know, I've been to the Emmy Awards with her and it's great. Yeah. I just didn't want to do that for a living. And I have other young clients that it's so exciting to watch them. So we're very close still though. Uh, I did just text her the other day because she got nominated again. Yeah. And I said, how's this going to work? She said, I think I'm going to have like pajamas made. Like who knows what the Emmy Awards going to be like. She's a lovely, warm, generous person. Yeah, she she deserves it. And uh, yeah. it's interesting that uh, you mentioned that, you know, uh, the, the whole art imitates life, imitates uh, art, came into a full art with Mrs. Maisel because she was uh, trying to be a comedian and her manager was a first time manager faking her way through it. I know. I yeah, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? But that was us. People yeah. would say something to me and I would like, um, and then I would be Googling it. Like, what's a triple banger? Um, she's getting a triple banger. I'm like, um, hold on a minute. And I would go, no, I don't want a triple banger. We need at least a double or a, I mean, it was, those days were funny. They were, they were fun. It was very exciting. Really, really exciting. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. I, remember, uh, I remember watching the pilot uh, of, uh, of Mrs. Maisel. And again, I just kind of started seriously getting into acting. I was watching the pilot and there is Rachel, um, you know, as Mrs. Maisel in the last uh, scene, you know, the main kind of uh, speech where she's on the stage and my acting self started to uh, get a panic attack because I thought, I don't know if I will ever be able to learn that many lines, never mind execute them in that manner. I was in shock and horror. Thankfully, that has passed. But just watching that, it's a very distinctive memory that I have that I think I will have for the rest of my life. incredible like that. She was in a movie and the name, and it never really went anywhere, but she had to do a little monologue in Polish at the beginning. Okay. And it was Saturday night and I was out with friends. It was a barbecue and she called and she was like, I cannot do this. I never heard her say that. I can't get it. I can't get this. They had taped it for her. I said, then just let go. Let go. And I went, you know, to a corner and I emailed her agent and the and the director. I said, this is not happening. You're she's actually, you cannot expect, she cannot learn all this Polish. Yeah. And you know, I I took the bullet and then they were like, oh, okay. But she will do anything and she's in a um she works really, really hard. When she was really sick at the Maisel audition, she was like really sick with a fever. She just has an amazing ability. I used to say to her and her agent, I mean, there was almost nothing you could throw at her that she wouldn't just say, okay, okay, and get it done. And it's true today. I mean, that's just who she is. Yeah. I... You know, the first time I saw her was in the House of Cards, and I thought, yeah, wow, this is a really talented actress. Yeah. And, you know, I had no idea that Mrs. Maisel was uh, was around the corner. And yeah. neither Maisel, did we. Neither yeah. did we. She did um, Finest Hours, and I remember that audition came in, and I called her, and I said, it wants, do you swim? It just wants to know you can swim. And she goes, I'm like, I cannot drown. I can swim. I'm not a swimmer. Yeah. And the reason they asked that is because she, well, she had a stunt double that went over a cliff, but then she was, had to be in water with waves and that was not a stunt double. And they put a bunch of boats and kicked up the water around her. And I said to her that night, how was it? She was, well, there was no acting. I was scared to death. Yeah. She was in that water a long time and she just does it. You know, it's, she's a great lesson for all of us who want to commit to anything we want to do. Yeah, um, she needs to be uh, careful with water because in, in another one of her interviews, she was mentioning that while they were shooting in Miami, you know, her and her co-star just decided at, at night to go out for a swim. And that's when the sharks are out. Thankfully, they were okay, but 
you know, next time you text with her, tell her that, you know, water may be a little... Not her thing. Yeah, yeah. Not kryptonite necessarily, but just something to look out for. Yeah, she's, she's great. I'll tell her. Yeah, perfect. Uh, all right, let's jump into uh, kind of our last uh, part, which is our lightning okay. round. Um, what's, and, and you've kind of alluded to that already, but what's the most rewarding part of running your school? Uh, watching and seeing actors young and old just let go of their fears and find themselves. That's perfect. Um, what's the weirdest that you're able to share? What's the weirdest thing that ever happened at ATC? Uh, we had a student uh, come in and kind of have a meltdown and take her clothes off. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying anymore. No, no, it's, yeah, and we, we don't that, need to that, that was scary and weird. Got it. Um, who's the, uh, again, it, it certainly could be Rachel, but uh, who's the best actor that uh, walked through the, doors, uh, through the doors, excuse me? You know, there's a kid, he's not a kid anymore. I mean, certainly Rachel, but um, there's a young girl named Sophie Thatcher who's working quite a bit now. I just was lucky enough to have her in town, put her on tape. Um, she's an amazing actress. A young man named Luke Zuman, who was in 20th Century Women with uh, Annette Benning, uh, uh, like nobody heard of him, and he was taking Deb's class, and Deb recommended him, and his agent said, well, he'd already auditioned for it, and the director didn't respond. Deb called the director, and then he booked it. I re-coached him, and he's an amazing actor, just natural, natural, natural talent. Um, uh, another young man named, um, we've had some amazing musical theater talent come through that are just, uh, Nathan Southstone, who ended up on Broadway in Harry Potter, which was not a musical, but he's an amazing talent. Um, another, it's m so many musical talents, kids that were on tour in The King and I, and Rent, and I mean, just too many to name that had just, makes my soul sore. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, what's one thing that you haven't got to do yet with the school? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think in this new era, this new Normal. land of COVID, I really want to take what we do and take it national. And I think we can do it now with COVID. Um, have my teachers who are so skilled and so professional do outside of Chicago what we've done for students here, which is uh, them that there's no acting, there's just being and that you are enough and train them how to navigate the business yeah. constantly and, and, and embrace who they are. That's what I really want to do. I would love to get it outside of just our, our community. And I think we'll be able to do that now with COVID. We're working on it. I'm having a more national presence. I think so too, and it certainly is needed. Uh, you know, I, I take spread the word. Yeah, I will spread the word, and Thank again, uh, on 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 the show, uh, you know, hopefully people from all over are watching it, and they'll uh, reach out. We'll have either. find me, find me, find me. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's one thing that most people do not know about you? I'm five feet tall. Okay. People think I'm taller than that, but I'm five feet tall. Okay. I got married when I was 21. That's the other thing. And I've been married for 40 years. Yay! I met your husband. He's a wonderful man. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Even though we've all been both been working at Bowdoin for four and a half months. We're hanging in there. I'm also a grandmother now. That's a other thing. Congratulations. Now. That's wonderful. Um, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would that be? <laughs> As I'm sitting here trying to tell you, everybody should just accept themselves. Uh, I, I wish I had better um, body image, like most women. Okay. That's and not that for a deep answer. It's, it is. And uh, that's, that's why I kind of like uh, asking these questions because um, different people are very different in the way that they answer it. Some get really introspective and then they really kind of uh, dig in there. Others, um, because of where they are or what they've been, they just accept themselves for who they are right now. And they say, no, nothing. I wouldn't really change a thing. It's, it's very interesting to watch people answer mm. questions. So I love, uh, I love asking them. Good. That's a good question. 
Uh, and the last question, you know, if yes. you have a chance to, uh, to go uh, back in time and give one piece of acting advice mm -hmm. to a young Carol, uh, what would that be? You are enough. Stop trying to be somebody else. Your turn, your moment will come. You are plenty. You're amazing. Perfect. Well, um, that poor girl. I was so hard on her. Well, Carol, you are uh, definitely more than enough. I, I couldn't be uh, couldn't be happier that uh, I walked into ATC and was able to uh, you know to kickstart my dream that I've had uh, all my life and never gave myself a chance to do it until. Uh, until you. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was a blast, Alan. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks for everybody for tuning in. Please uh, follow uh, Carol, uh, follow ATC. We're going to have the links uh, right below the uh, video. Please comment, please share, please uh, subscribe and uh, let the whole world know about our little show. We know you love acting as much as we do. And that's why we do it. Thank you.